Thank you for tuning in Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with Comic Malcolm Sills. Malcolm Sills, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on. And where where can people people find you online doing comedy during the quarantine? I know I thought I think you're Malcolm Comedy across social platforms. You were the funniest Malcolm who got that title, huh? Yeah, I beat all the other Malcolms too. I guess <laughs> that's that's actually why I've kept it. To be honest, I've like been about to change it, and then I'm like, you know what? There's probably a lot of other Malcolm comics out there that are dying for this handle. Yes, so just hold on to it. Yes, they're gonna approach you soon and offer you money. Yeah, exactly. That's my big payday. <laughs> and then I'll use that money to film my own special. And then I'll sell that to Netflix. And, and then you'll yeah, get canceled. Yeah, you'll yeah, get canceled get for canceled something you're doing in your personal life that I, I know yeah. nothing about right now. Let, yeah. Let's let people know. I don't know the weird thing that yes. Malcolm subsequently did. <laughs> or things that Malcolm have been, has been doing for decades. Yeah, my whole life. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, so what we're going to talk about real quick um, is... It sounds like you've been getting into some some fucking pulpy reality trash TV during the quarantine, and I think you are watching 90 Day Fiance. So real quick, tell me about that. What the fuck oh is it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so it's like a, a reality show basically about these – mostly it's like men who find like these women in other countries, and they develop like an online relationship. Mm-hmm. But they're really just getting scammed most of the time in most cases. Oh, uh, shit. Really? Yeah, and so yeah. the show is almost like helping document the scam, and they're not going to, you know, as a documentarian, you don't reveal to the subject of the documentarian anything. So if you're like filming cheetahs, you don't let them know that hey, you're about to get eaten by X, Y, and Z, or <laughs> exactly. whatever. And so like they don't let these people know that they're about to get scammed because that would fuck with the te- the the reality TV aspect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and a lot of the times, like they get to the country to meet their girlfriend and. They're like, oh my god, I love you so much, and the girlfriend's like, I love visas, <laughs> and like, they, all they care about is getting like going to America and getting married, and wow. then you follow up with the couple after the show, and they're like divorced. But it's pretty funny because I'm like, when I'm watching it, I'm like, man, I wish I had a camera crew following me and my girlfriend around. <laughs> I'd be able to notice. Yeah, and what would go on? Like, so, so like in the difference, like, so when she's when he says I love her, and she says I love visas, is she saying that? to the camera or is she saying it to him are all these things just like they're talking past each other they're not talking she's not saying that to him is she yeah she's not like i mean some of some of the women are like one of the guys (laughs) met his one of the guys met his girl and he was like how do i look in person and she went no (laughs) no and then like they immediately went to like a like a market and she grabbed his wallet (gasps) and started just like bawling out at this market and he's like what are you doing like yeah, it's pretty funny um and was she was she that kind of was she that hot or was he that desperate to be married or was he that some of these people come from you're like uh, oh, okay i could i could develop an online relationship with big ed if i if i if i meant getting out of there yeah um yeah yeah, you see her situation, and she talks a good game because she's getting out of a desperate situation, but also he's such a loser that he can be deluded that this beautiful woman from another country could love him or no? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the good thing, like not the good thing, but the interesting thing is like the guys, <laughs> the guys are all kind of assholes. Like they're all like either really misogynistic or they're lying about how much money they have to begin with. So you're kind of like rooting for the for the scammer in a way. Oh. Like, but yeah, also then she, then she gets scammed though because she realizes that's all the money he had in his wallet, the fifty bucks that she, <laughs> she blew at the market, right? Exactly. Like, there's a guy who was talking to a woman on this Russian dating site that translates for you it's it's literally like five dollars a minute wow. and he has said he had spent like seven years talking to this girl on this website he had been to russia like four times and she was a no-show but the camera crew would say like so do you think you're getting scammed and he would be like you're crazy get out of here that is real that's my lana like my Lana, it's just so sad. And is it ever is it ever like a bunch of dudes in a room, you know? Because you think of some of these people dating profiles who are subsequently trying to drive traffic to a nude cam or something could just be a, you know robots at first, and then a bunch of dudes in a room who are pasting form form replies and things like that. Is it actually a woman on the end or or? It was. So that was the thing that they revealed was that it was a, a woman on the end, okay. but she definitely worked for a company where like they were paid to just like talk to yeah. these like guys online wow. and, and he meets up with her and he's like i'm in love with you and she's like mm, like let's keep talking online uh-huh. and like, like he's like i'll move to russia for you and she's like please do not do that like uh, we, we need your fun. we need your seven dollars a minute so let's yeah let's yeah. talk about this online i get yeah. paid and by then, the, the minute and then like while i'm watching this i'm watching the show you with uh on Netflix, it's like about this guy who's like a stalker, yeah. and he's dating a girl, and she doesn't even know that he's been stalking her. She just yeah. thinks it's his, yeah, boyfriend, and um, like it's really weird watching that. I'm not gonna lie; it's kind of weird watching that with my girlfriend. Yeah, you're not that. You 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 don't have the healthiest viewing habits as far as as being in a relationship. <laughs> I know everything uh. we're watching is like you cheated on me. <laughs> You lied to me. <laughs> like murder and involved. It's like pretty unhealthy. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's so like watching it with your girlfriend. Is she just totally just watching in horror, hoping that Malcolm Stills doesn't learn the wrong lessons from these shows? Uh, yes, and it's <laughs> it's 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 pretty funny when I hear her be like, "He's so crazy," and he like, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, <laughs> I would never do some. I would never do the stuff that he's doing, but. Like even sometimes when he's just like, "Oh, who texted you?" She's the character, the female character would be like, "Mind your business," and then my girlfriend would be like, "Exactly." And I'm like, "I've never done that. Like, I've never, I've never done that." Like I feel like I'm being attacked. Uh, yeah, her, her vociferous head. response to the screen is like, "Dude, I mean, you're attacking me passive aggressively." Like, yeah. but, but you kind of get it. Like, meaning yeah, you get, get some it. of the possessive. Like, if he would have dialed it down like a thousand notches, you could get some of the things that Penn Badgley exactly. is showing on the screen, right? And she yeah, doesn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, if, if she gets a, a rando text in the middle of the night, you might be wondering what the fuck it is, right? Yeah, who exactly? <laughs> who was that? And then, and then, and then now I'm like trying to be the complete opposite of Penn Badgley. I'm like, what has this show done to me? Like, it's like it's consuming. Like, it's I'm obsessive now over it. Dude, I love um, it though. Chris D'Elia should happen. Oh yeah, it? so yeah, so oh, so Chris D'Elia was on you as a pedophile, right? Yeah. And that turned out to be fairly close to home. Fairly close to home, and he also was a pedophile and workaholic. It's like, <laughs> what do you think that if you were, like, there's no way that Chris D'Elia 
like I heard him talk a million times, right? I feel like I get a sense of his personality. There's yeah. no way that he didn't think he was doing, like, I don't know all the details, but let's say he was actively texting a girl that was like 15 or 16 and he knew about it, right? Like, why would you then take it a step further and be like, I'm going to, my first two major TV roles, I'm going to play a pedophile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even his recent special, I finally, like, I, I turned it off because it sucked, but then I gave it another chance. And he did talk a lot about being creepy, like, you know, being the creepy guy, a hot topic or forever 21 or whatever, <laughs> and, and having having a van outside and, and stuff like that. And he's saying he looks like one, too. And so you're right that he kind of, you know, invited, you know, invited this upon himself. It's like Aziz, I'm, Aziz Ansari when he did the whole Time's Up pin that mm-hmm. then created the avalanche of backlash on his whole, you know, treatment of people he's dating. Yes, yes. Yeah, Aziz Ansari, that was, in my opinion, that was a sad one. Yeah, because um, it I sounds like he was, just, he was just pressuring some. He was just kind of pressuring somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. He it sounded like he just pressured someone. And I don't think that it's like the only thing I heard. That's why I'm gonna. I don't know the details about Crystalia, but when I do talk about it with some people that are very against Crystalia now, yeah. they expressed to me like everyone has said like, well, when you see the messages and the evidence, there's a, a pattern. Yeah, there's like a pattern. With, whereas, like with Aziz Ansari, it was like one person who came out and spoke. If there yeah. was like, if there was like twenty girls that had the exact same story, I'd be like, "Yeah, you're a weirdo." Like, yeah, it's I mean, like I a, pa- it's Travolta's like a, it's like a pattern. Too. Yeah, it's like a pattern. Like, pre- yeah, John Travolta uh, pressuring the massage guy to touch him X, Y, yeah. and Z. Like for but, years, um, I heard about Kevin Spacey. For years before uh, it came out, I would yeah. always hear about how Kevin Spacey preyed on like younger guys on set. Yeah. So when it came out, I was just like, yeah, there's like a pattern there. Like, whatever. He's just like, he's got something in him. I just can't control it or something. So, yeah. So, if Malcolm Sills is canceled in five years and people look at this podcast, what is Malcolm Sills hiding? Like, what's the, what's the pattern in your life? And it might not be, you know, your relationship with females or whatever, but what kind of stuff are you talking about on stage? Because it sounds like you're obsessed with this show, and obsession can be where a lot of great comedy bits can come from because you are going to. Mm dive deep into the details of something in particular like what's a you just what's the topic what's one big chunk that you've been diving deep on and that you were obsessed with at some point to the point where you have a polished piece of comedy on it now um okay well i don't think it's anything i would get canceled for but i <laughs> like i started off with comedy as very like doing like jokey jokes with like yeah. punchlines and very recently i started before corona i was getting into like trying to talk about real shit going on so like Good. Years ago, I had cancer. Oh. So, yeah, I survived cancer. So, I was, I felt like that was something that I should start off with. Yeah. Like, where, and, and I have like really polished material on it at this point. Good. But I do have a lot of people being like, man, that shit was funny. It was like, I felt bad laughing at some points. And I'm like, yeah. But you, were la- but, but you were laughing. You were laughing. Yeah, but you were laughing. Like, people yeah. get really good, big laughs. And, and then the other thing was like, before I got into that, I had some jokes about like being a hospice nurse and how I feel like if you're going to be a nurse, like that's the easiest nurse to be because uh-huh. all your all your clients are like guaranteed to die. Yeah, the job always gets done. It's like yeah, it's like you could fu- you could fuck you could fuck up, but they were going to die anyway, right? Yeah, like your boss is like, dude, you kill it every month. You uh, kill it every month again. Well, as long as these things are true, and especially like a, you're a good-looking young guy and stuff, you get on stage and st- start talking about hardship in your act, and you didn't preface it with the cancer thing, people would be like, I don't believe you. 
I don't, I don't yeah, believe that exactly. this guy knows anything about hardship at all. And yeah. so it's a nice way to break the ice and look a little bit vulnerable because when you're a good looking young guy, it's like Chris D'Elia. Like recently on stage, he's like, dude, I have, I've had an easy life, man, because his parents were famous and rich and stuff like that. Yeah. And it turns out his mom even like pampered him and shit. And he's like, and he just kind of came out. I was like, dude, I have an easy life. Absolutely. And, and yeah. so like, you know, we, we were tempted to think that about him anyway, and he just confirmed it. And so the fact yeah. that you're kind of disabusing people of the notion that a young, good looking guy can't have hardship, you're, you're freeing up a huge chunk of material. You know, you could talk about yeah. anything now. We'll believe that you have a proper perspective on it. Like I had cancer, but this still annoys me on the street. You know, like if you were just talking about something <laughs> annoying on the street, people would be like, this guy has no frame of reference for what difficulty is. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, actually, weird. I had a show once. Do you ever heard of the? Uh, it was a great show. It was at the, this comedy club called the Misfit Hive. I think okay. it's like uptown. It's like a new club. And uh, I had someone after the show come up to me, and they were like, "Yeah, he was a comic, I think, who was just there watching." And he was like, "Man, I saw you before the show, and I just hated you." <laughs> and I was like, and then he told me, "He's like, but once you, you, you were really funny, man. You, you're a real good stand-up." And I was like, that's the, that's so interesting to me. <laughs> you, like, wanted, you wanted to hate me, but I won you over with my uh, material, my cancer bit. Yeah, yeah. I think I heard that. I think I saw something, maybe it was like on Howard Stern or somewhere where Kristen Wade was talking about that. How she has a hard time, like when she, when she, early in her career, when she would do improv or whatever, people would just like think that she was like this tall, skinny, blonde girl. And they like didn't want to laugh at her at first, but then she was actually like really funny. Yeah. So it kind of like, it, it actually worked for her because, like, I think sometimes that happens with, when people look at me and they think I haven't gone through anything hard and then all my material is, like, super dark. Yeah. Um, I think it, like, it it adds an, an extra layer to it. People are more um, into it. Yeah, it frees they, it frees yeah. us to like you. And, and yes, I think yeah. some of the, and one, one example that I always think about is the fact that certain hot female comedians, one of the ways that they do a good job on their Instagram feeds is to take pictures they, they can take their thirst traps i don't care but a lot of times it's alongside of them looking purposely ug ugly like them <laughs> mugging you know making a weird face or putting on a stupid wig and that stuff kind of frees you to be like all right yeah i'm pretty sometimes but i'm also fucking hilarious yeah. and so i want my followers to like both sides of me because they know yeah, it's still yeah. gonna be an asset if they get, get casted for shows or whatever so i mean i guess like you know on your instagram or on your social you know are you doing anything with your you know are you doing any videos that kind of you know show you as show you as less than uh than perfect yeah, that's what i'm trying to do i yeah. I, 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 I used to be like when before Vine got canceled, I got a little bit of um hype on Vine, like right uh, before it shut down the app. And um and on that app I used to never give a shit. And uh, a lot yeah. of my followers crossed over on Instagram and then I kinda just started like caring a little bit too much of how I was perceived on Instagram because of like my acting career. Yeah. And then recently I'm like, you know what, I just wanna like get into that whole make a sketch every week which i don't do but like at least once a month or whenever i have the time like just sit there make a sketch and like i'm a true believer in like the more you do it the better you get at the better yeah. they, they get so like i was on a roll like two years ago where i was making a sketch like every day uh every week and you were doing it for fun yeah and they were, i was doing it for fun and they, and i started getting they started getting like actually funny but you were you were doing I, it for you were doing it for vine v-i-n-e I was doing I was doing it for Instagram. Okay. 
yeah, like so, this is so like they, a year ago. So they started getting like, funny. You're like, man, this practice makes perfect, doesn't it? Yeah, and then wow. and then now that I've come back to Instagram sketches, I'm like, you know what? I'm just not gonna care. I don't care how I look. I'm gonna be as goofy as possible. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of people that follow me are following me maybe because I'm an actor. Okay. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you're a comic. Like I didn't know that. <laughs> Like, I would never think, like, a lot of people at my job are like, oh, you do stand-up? Like, I never would have guessed that. But I'm like, thanks for that huge <laughs> insult. You're basically saying I'm not funny. Okay, I'm cool. never fucking funny. Thanks a lot, yeah. asshole. That's funny. But, but my friends, like, they, you know, that every comic will say this. Like, my friends think I'm hysterical. So, yeah. like, I just want, what my goal right now is, is, like, just make sketches that show the funny side that my best friends know. Yeah, because so like, yeah, I see some. I see. I see some videos where you have a regular crew of people who are making this content. Yes. Yeah. What's well, good? You got a regular crew of pe people who are popping up in this Instagram content, so it's good you found a comedy crew to kind of make these videos and yeah. and make sure you stay silly. Are you doing bite now? Because I because I had John Field on and he said that if you were big on Vine, bite is the new. Like it, you could be huge on fucking bite. Like if you have any yeah. any editing ability such that you can kind of edit your funny down into six seconds or whatever the fuck it is, bite is the new thing. And I think bite dance actually owns TikTok. So I think oh. bite b, b b y t e is the new vine. And so it sounds like you could go on there as well. But yeah, so so what does your girlfriend think about all this? Like you know, is she you know she a fan? My girlfriend's a, yeah, my girlfriend's a comic. Oh cool. Yeah, and so she, so she doesn't. She could give a shit. She, she'd be like, "Dude, yeah, you're funny, but everybody is. Like, everybody on this fucking show is hilarious. Like, I see you're on a bill with Bill. You were hosting a show with Maddie Smith. I just had her on earlier today, and she's hilarious. And and she did a, you know, her episode was talking about living with Andrew Chavon, who's hilarious, and he's doing a podcast with Stephen Rogers. I had him, him on. He's hilarious. Like, everybody's <laughs> hilarious. And so if your girlfriend is a stand-up, she's the first to tell you, "Yeah, dude, you're funny, but you know, yeah, you got to be." Yeah. Funny money on stage every night in videos every day or there's other people who might hustle more than you right yeah so that was that was what was really funny about it was like we both got introduced by uh tori piskin like that's how we met yeah. is the comedian tori piskin oh cool and and like i was doing a lot of shows before i met her and then as soon as i met her like i wasn't getting hit up for any shows and she was getting on like a show every week it felt like <laughs> And it was definitely like a, because it was the beginning of our relationship. Like I, I was like, damn, I hope she doesn't think that like I'm not serious about comedy. Yeah. So that was one thing that definitely put like a fire under my ass. Like right oh, before good. Corona was like, I started getting on like a lot, like a lot of shows. Wow. I was just, I, you know, I just kind of just was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna ask. Yeah. And I used to be one of those people. I was like, I'm never gonna ask. Like you, that's how you, like the real way to get on a show is you have to earn it. Like that's how you get good and. And then I was just like, no way, fuck it. Like, I need to not just do open mics. Like, I need to ask and stuff like that. So I started asking people, and I started doing Carolines all the time. That was a great, wow. that was a great time. And then I started getting on like people's people like comics shows, which was really fun. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I was like getting ten minute spots, which was really wow. good. Like, but yeah, my girlfriend and me, um, I think my girlfriend's hysterical. Uh, <laughs> She's so fucking funny. I think so you need, you need, have her on. Oh, I'd love to have her on. I'll talk to you yeah. after the program so you can you can yeah, fucking do, dox your dox your girlfriend, give me your digits, you know. So yeah. so when you get the rando text in the middle of the night, you'll be like, yeah, 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 What the fuck, man? What the, the hell? Show. 
but I love that you have to work as hard as your girlfriend. Like, and if that weren't the case, you'd have to work as hard as somebody else in the scene you respect. Like, you know, like I, I forgot who said it. I thought it was Joe Gorman. Yeah, he came from San Francisco, and he was like, "Dude, like some people who came from San Francisco and got passed at clubs out there didn't want to hustle in New York City." And he goes, "Dude, there's people here with with TV credits who are pulling their name out of the hat at an open mic. Like, if they yeah. can do it." If they can do an open mic, I'm fine doing, you know, several mics a night or whatever. But I also yeah, like man. the fact that you're just asking people. Like sometimes, you know, you know, I as long as you're that. not as long as you're not demanding with it. You know, I think Luis Galilei, he he produced so many shows and you know, him and uh, Eddie Gomez were like, you know, I, I thought they said don't just send me your press kit. Like there's probably something to be said about also going to see one of the shows at least. But asking yes. people like, you know, the worst they can say is no. And it sounds like if they weren't booking you before, that was essentially a no anyway, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's cool you're able to stretch out. So, I mean, after that, you know, you're, you're doing the cancer material kind of, you know, where can you go from there that's appropriate? You know, like if you start dark to disarm people and let let them know that you know hardship, do you, mm -hmm. do you then get into kind of observational stuff or do you stay autobiographical? I'm getting more into like, that's the next topic I've been getting into is uh, my mom. <laughs> Like, I think that I've been, I'm really good at um, doing impressions, not of oh, like good. famous people, but just the people I know personally good. that make people laugh. So yes. like, I did like, I did like a whole 10 minute set on just like shit about my mom, like my mom raising me and the funny, weird shit my mom thinks and believes and says. Good. And uh, that honestly has been my best like stand up so far. And then I was doing it right before Corona, and I was like, man, I'm finally actually, like, this is what stand-up is supposed to make you feel like. Yes. Yeah. And then so, Corona comes, and, and the best laid plans. Just destroyed it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> completely. But, you know, I, I wrote a lot of more stuff. It gave me more time to write more about um, my mom. And yeah. I think a great way to do jokes is just to run them by your, like, best. Like, I have two friends who love that I'm a stand-up. Yeah. Who I can like, like I don't even do this with my girlfriend really, but I do this with like two friends where I just say like, "Hey, I have this joke idea," and they're just like so down to hear it, and they really are brutally honest. Good. And uh, they were loving all the stuff I have. So yeah, so, some of the stuff like, like I had Dustin Chafin on, you know, I talked about my Mount Rushmore, including Kevin Hart, and I think Dustin Chafin wasn't as I thought he was surprised by the fact that Kevin Hart was on my Mount Rushmore, but I can t typically take down all the specials, and I did Kevin Hart specials recently, and I was noticing last night I was like Kevin Hart is funny because of the voices and the act outs. Exactly. Like, he's, he's got okay, so funny he's stories, but they're right. yeah. Yeah, they're only a material because he does the voices, and so if you find people laughing harder at the fact that you're you're personifying your mom, that's where you live. Like, and every voice you have, you, you know, every person in your life, you have to test with your friends. What voice do you guys like for this character? Because if that's yeah. what's making people laugh, that's what that's your bread and butter, right? Yeah, it's more like I'm like I'm never I'm not a jerk, but like it's more like I'm just every like I can find something I find annoying like in everyone. Like, there's something I always have to complain about. It's, like, my kryptonite. It's, like, my <laughs> biggest gift, but my biggest weakness. It's, like, what makes me super funny, but also, like, sometimes it's just, like, all right, Malcolm, just... Yeah. There's nothing, like, just take a break, like... He's so, up, like, he's I've up, always, that, like, he's up, that's your future father-in-law, your girlfriend says. Yeah. He's up like, on I'm, that impression, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I've always, I've always, like, 
my I would come home from school and my mom would be like, oh, how was like your acting class? And I'd be like, it was great, but the teacher had this weird voice. And like my mom's <laughs> like, that's the only thing you learned from the fucking acting <laughs> class. Like, so, so, but yeah, that, that's been that. And uh, going to Mount Rushmore, because I love talking about this, like I think Kevin Hart, for me, it's like Eddie Murphy was like my first time I ever saw, which I know everyone says this, but like I saw Eddie Murphy and I was like, I want to do stand up. Yeah. Because he was doing all these bits about his aunt, his uncle, his dad, you know, his brother, like, and same thing with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, you know, has that great bit about his uncle watching out the, the window and, like, being lazy. <laughs> oh, the, the grandpa in the screen door where he's just watching everything? I love that. Why is the cat licking out the bowl? Yeah. Get out the bowl. Yeah, like, that's, that's, the, that's the type of yeah. shit I love to talk about to my friends about my family members. So, like, when I watched Eddie Murphy and then I... I just grew up on like a lot of um, black comics, so like it just so happens that my Mount Rushmore is like fucking Eddie Murphy, uh, Kevin Hart, uh, Chris Rock, uh, Martin Lawrence. Like those are my favorite comics. Cat Williams was the first comic I ever saw live. So oh, wow, that's a good yeah, first, that's a good first show. Yeah, he was he was the first show he did when he was like right out of prison. <laughs> and he did a fucking arena in Philly, the Temple Basketball Arena. And he did go on for like 10 minutes about how he hates Kevin Hart. But <laughs> it's just it? one of, like, I just love those comics that just like all they talk about is just the funny, sh- like funny people in their lives and the shit that they do that just like they can't wrap their head around. Yeah, that's why that's uh, yeah. why I like like Kevin Hart more than somebody like Chris Rock is. It's not a race issue. It's just taking the characters in his life and yes. acting them out for us. And it sounds like that's what Malcolm Sills do. So we're going to, you know, although we can follow you and of course we do at Malcolm Comedy across social platforms. Uh, we're only going to fire you up if you're acting that shit out because that's where uh, that's where Malcolm Sills lives, man. He <laughs> fucking becomes he's, he becomes his mom. He becomes the patient and the ho- you know, the patient in hospice who's about to die. And Malcolm Sills, thank you so much for coming on the program today. Yeah, thank you so much, man. 